have to, I'm the wrong one to ask. Product <laughs> runway, and then I'm I need like a boneless situation. Because I am well boneless, we have now. I know we have, ten, we have tenders, yeah. Well, tenders, it's the same. It's fine. That's yeah. I will work with tenders. That's what we'll leave, way, we'll leave on tender bones. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. I am your host, David, and with me, not as usual, but as more or less usual, is uh, possibly our favorite guest host, Ish, from the Better Let Me Tell You podcast. Welcome back, oh, Ish. Thank you. You're only saying it because it's true. Uh, I am only saying it because <laughs> it's true. Um and uh, as you can tell, Daniel is not with me, so Ish is going to uh, kind of fill that co-host spot. And our big guests, shoes to fill. Uh, it, it, well, um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Certainly, bigger shoes to fill than mine because I'm I'm, I'm a teeny tiny person. Um, but with us as our guest host today is uh, someone who is near and dear to my heart, my 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 beautiful wife, uh, Stephanie. Yay! Really me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. So a little little bit Hello. of background here. Um, Steph was supposed to be on uh, Shiver about two years ago. Uh, I had finally convinced her to be on and she was going to do the Scream episode. You can go back and hear that episode. Stephanie is not on it. Uh, unfortunately, didn't happen that night. But you're on here tonight uh, because uh, you are amazing friends with ish and ish is amazing friends with you and i told somebody this past weekend that ish was our unicorn (laughs) um if ever there was a unicorn it would be ish yeah like Um, jesse in this movie (laughs) well and and that's kind of what led me to to ask Steph if she wanted to be on this episode uh because as you can tell we are discussing a Nightmare on Elm Street two, which, by the way, we haven't talked about any Nightmare on Elm Street movie on on the show yet, that's which is like me. it boggles my mind. I don't know how that's happened. Uh, it must so be. Why are we starting with two? Then? Because Ish is here to continue our, our our summer fan fest, and Ish was between part two and part four, and so uh, Ish told me, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well." Personally, I think part four is a better movie, but part two might be more interesting to discuss. And this is what I right. And this is why I was telling you, Steph, like you might want to be on this episode is because A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 has gained a, a, a cult following for being, quote, the gayest horror movie of all time. It was pretty gay, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was um, pretty gay. So, um, so to, to have um, the the woman's perspective but also like the perspective of a gay man to discuss this with me i felt like well it's a no-brainer let's talk about a nightmare on elm street too yeah. so also, they, they always bring me on stuff whenever there's a gay horror movie or like there's peen there's it's penis like on screen. That's, yeah I'm, i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna write save 
uh, you should. Just a letter. I'm going to. Yeah. You should. Um, it's fine though because Ish says all the time, like I am a gay man. It's true. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I am married to a gay man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um go, go ahead and write that letter and publish it because any publicity for, for <laughs> uh, I'll take. Listen, the only the only bad publicity is your obituary. So. That's right. Does, and even That's then, right. if you have a <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we move on, something that we ask of all of our first time hosts here, uh, Steph, what got you into horror? Um, I feel like I was desensitized to a lot of things at like a very early age. Um, I grew up with my my dad's a big horror guy, and like, mm -hmm. and my dad and my brother routinely watch a lot of shitty movies, like, like love <laughs> shitty movies. It's like kind of their thing, but I. I saw like Hellraiser when I was like nine and <laughs> I was watched like I, my mom used to travel a lot on business. And when my mom was out, like my dad kind of let us do whatever we wanted. Um, and then like, I routinely, so like I, I, but I saw Poltergeist when I was like probably five or six. Um, I saw the shining when I was really young too. And it never really scared me. The only stuff that really ever did scare me which kind of still does scare me it because it's like you know growing up catholic trauma is like anything that's like possessions or like that has to deal with like the church like the exorcist was always really scary to me and like those kinds of movies but i love a slasher um i love camp i love you know so like that's something that the nightmare on the street movies do really well and all these like slasher movies do very well. So it's never been scary to me. It's just always been fun. You and I have been going to horror nights for like yeah. 20 years. It's something that we just enjoy. And I, it's, it's hard to scare me, like to really, really scare me. Um, I agree. There's, there's very few times that we've, uh, I, I think seen, seen a horror movie where you've been scared, but you enjoy it a lot. And uh, I do think that it's something that is like important ish to our um uh i'm speaking to ish as well as saying important -ish, <laughs> um uh to our relationship because um like going back to like some of the very first dates that we went on years ago like we were always watching horror movies in theaters yeah. uh, always going to halloween horror nights every year so um like hor horror is something that i think you know helps us gel it's fun yeah, yeah, and, and 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 it is a a unifying thing. The last thing that really scared me, like for real, like that not scared me so much as in like kind of fucked me up a little bit was that one episode of Haunting of Hill House with the mm. the the tall man. Like I still think about that, and I get creeped out to the point to the like when we went two years ago to Harnets and they had that house. I couldn't well, I couldn't see that room. I've been sure. waiting for it. I, I just, I put my head to the floor and I was like, I couldn't because I knew I wasn't going to, that was the last time that I was like genuinely scared by something in media was that, I don't know why that particular thing scared me so much. Maybe I should talk to my therapist, therapist about it, but for <laughs> uh, that specific ghost from Hill House really like took me out and that I've been. I had been not kind of on pins and needles the, the whole house because it did kind of follow the sequential order of the show. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for it and they kind of like skipped over it and he was right at the end. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is where we're, we're done. And I just like kind of left. Yeah. 
Um, and actually, now that I think about it, this is the first time that you've been on Shiver 2.0 because you were on the original iteration of Shiver. Like the third episode or something. Uh, yeah, oh, and you, you did uh, you did High Tension. I did High Tension, which yeah. is my favorite movie to hate on. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> for good reason. Uh, and you were also on the two-part episode where we discussed oh, we uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I talked about... I went in depth about like why, I, not why, but like that I was so fucking terrified about from that. Thing. Well, M Mike Flanagan is a genius, you know. So, so there's uh, there's yeah. that. Like you don't have you, you you don't have to put a disclaimer there. It's it's, it's fine. It's, it's okay dope. to be scared. Uh, and talking about being scared, let's get into the movie we're discussing today. <laughs> um, so, A Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. This comes like just a year after the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Elm Street is a is a huge hit, right? Uh, Wes Craven, of course, is is brilliant. He is like what one of the 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 founding fathers of modern horror. Um, but he's not involved in this at all. He wanted nothing to do with you it after he read the script. Um, okay, so that's kind of what I was talking about here. Now we we don't want to discuss this in relation to the you know to the previous one or you know part three you know, or anything that comes after it. But how does this movie work for you as number one? Just a movie on its own, but number two, within the context of a nightmare on Elm Street. So Steph, Steph, you can you can start here. I mean, aside from just the fact that like they live in Nancy's old house and like it's Freddy, like there's not really a whole ton of relation to the first. I can tell a lot about a movie because I am like older I have a lot of responsibilities so if there's a like if, I, if I'm not doing a million things while something is on like that means that I'm like into it I'm paying attention and I was doing things I was working I was like you know Link came in at some point and like saw half the movie with us whatever I think it was more than half the movie we were only about 20 minutes in you yeah he's like can I watch it and we were like okay, okay. <laughs> yeah that, he's already got trauma he's fine he does. No, he does. Yeah. He, he sees his therapist. I'm sure he's going to talk yeah. to his therapist. Tonight. He's nine and he's in therapy. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, we're it's, healing as our children are healing. That's what we're doing. Right. Right. We're healing together. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah. I mean, like, other than that, I mean, thematically was, a, I mean, sort of, I guess. But I mean, I didn't really find it to be like super deeply related. Like that first, I think it's almost like. Again, not to like compare, but that first nightmare on the street is like it's just so iconic. It like mm -hmm. was so groundbreaking for the genre. You know, I even enjoyed the reboot. I know not a lot of people did it. The the remake of it in 2010 or whatever it was. I really liked it. Um, but I don't know. I just it wasn't it no me cogió la atención. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't pull you in. It did not pull me in. I did not have a you know blade hand pull me in. Uh Ish, what about you? So I, I enjoyed this movie, as, as, as we all know from my times on this show, I love bad movies. So I'm always going to enjoy a movie that's not quote unquote good, right? Like in the, in mm -hmm. the mainstream. So I guess I enjoyed the movie on its own. What I will say I found interesting was in the context of, of the Elm Street portfolio, I don't know. Uh -huh. um, it was interesting in that this was the first movie that, even though it's different than all the others, there's parts of it that still have made it through into the rest of the series. Like, this is the first one where you have to start building on the mythology, because yeah. now it's not just 
a slasher. It's like a slasher, and now he's back, and this is his new motivation, and this is how we have to get rid of him now. And then in each subsequent movie, you see that as well, right? Or it's just like, no, but now you've got to go and take it to the princess's castle and, you know, the last level of Mario or whatever. <laughs> you know, exactly, yeah, your princess is another castle, and it's Freddy. Um, but even something like the whole, the whole crux of this movie is that Freddy wants to come into our world, and he needs somebody to help, you know, create the scares and all that. That is the plot of Jason versus Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so if, if you really, again, looking back hindsight 2020, this movie really did do a lot of the heavy lifting and the groundwork that the rest of the series wound up running with, and it doesn't necessarily get the credit for it. Um, you know, I, I, I agree. I think that there's a lot in this movie that works. And I think that there's a lot in this movie that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a better movie in there. I do think there's a better movie in there, but I also think it kind of suffers from that. um, Like the last Jedi syndrome, which is like, is the movie good? Maybe not, but is it as bad as it seems when you sandwich it between two other stories that kind of make it irrelevant? And I think that that's kind of where this movie really suffers is that A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 really picks up the story where the first one leaves off. Mm -hmm. And we never hear about Jesse again. We never hear about any of these characters again. Um, And so it kind of just serves as almost like a uh, Halloween 3 where it's like, you know, okay, what's the one without Michael Myers? So is it worth the watch? A lot of people just skip over it because Michael's not in it. But there is substance here. I think there is there's there's a good movie in here somewhere, uh, and it's it's. Um, I don't think it's a bad movie, right. but I yeah, do Steph, think. It's, it was like Steph, Steph mentioned the reboot in the the two thousands. Mm-hmm. This almost could have been like a proto reboot. Yeah, you... and I think it's because they didn't really understand where they wanted to take the series, and right. and and that's why part twos are so important. Um, you know, because this this does dare to do something different than, say, um, Friday the 13th Part 2. Because Friday the 13th Part 2 was exactly the same as the first one, except now the killer was not Pamela Voorhees. It was Jason right. Voorhees. That's the only difference between the first one and the second one, and really even the, the third and fourth one. They are exactly the same movie. Yeah. That's part of what I like about Friday the 13th is that it's it, it's almost like comfort movie you know when 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 i'm feeling down in the dumps i know that i can put on friday the 13th and i can see jason kill yeah. some naked teenagers and that's fine you know um so it is cleansing it, it, it is it is a little cleansing yeah. um the way that he needs to cleanse his machete after you know plunging <laughs> it uh r- right through oh no it was an arrow that went through uh kevin bacon's throat um so as as we move on and we're starting to touch upon this a little bit uh in a section that uh we're gonna call lgbtq freddie's coming for you um let's get into the story here right and of course you cannot talk about the story in this movie without talking about the fact that like it's queer this is this is a gay story Right. And it was written this way. It was maybe not directed this way, because if you listen to interviews, the director says that he was not aware of any uh, like gay subtext here. Um, But it was certainly acted that way. And um, and it, it was kind of 
understood by many of the people that were making this movie that this was a gay story. So, um, so Ish, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this to you first. Um, what does the story do for you? Does it work for you? And on what so level? So first, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you props for transitioning to this by saying an arrow through Kevin Bacon's throat, because um, <laughs> if that's not subtext, I don't know what it is. But uh, <laughs> thank you. But, not just um, a hat rack. <laughs> I see. I see that. Um, so the story here is is again, it, it's that hindsight 2020. You look back on it. Mm-hmm. The story to me is so fascinating because it's number one, it's a final boy, not a final girl, right? right? The roles are reversed because uh, so that, that's uh, that's Jesse, the girlfriend Lisa. Mm-hmm. In many respects, it's weird because she acts as the guy and the final girl, right? In in some ways, right? You can argue that the budding relationship is actually by Jesse and I forget the the, the his, his uh, yeah uh, Grady, 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 mm-hmm. who. I have questions about that entire, like, those two form a bond over the span of, like, three weeks. That is, because they kind of start off as, like, not enemies, but, like, adversaries in school. And then all of a sudden they're having lunch together. And then all of a sudden he's the only person Jesse can go to, to, you know, to to depend upon to not turn into Freddy. I was like. When you meet your soulmate, you just know. I mean, I guess there's that. Yes, yeah. uh, some some would say that's a little love. <laughs> I think that's but... the term soulmate. But okay, <laughs> dream boy would be more appropriate for okay. this franchise. And, and Grady was fairly dreamy. Yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah, great. And Grady still holds up. Um, he, I, I saw him in the documentary that Mark Patton yeah. did called "Scream Queen." Mm-hmm. Um, great documentary. Talks about all this stuff. Um, yeah, so he can still get it, but. <laughs> There's, but I think that the story works because it's not overt, mm-hmm. right? I think that if this was, and and again, this is one of those things where, like, if it was to be remade today, would it still have the same impact? Because I think today it would have to, like, off the bat, Jesse would be a gay character. Right? Yeah, that's be- the only way it would work because then you you can't. It has to be more off obvious. In, in, in 2023, yeah. It, yeah, it just has to be. But I think back then, that's why it works because it's it's playing with a lot of tropes and it's subverting norms, and so it's not just beating you over the head with things. Even Freddy, I mean, you want to talk about the original pansexual, like uh, Freddy Krueger, because um, he is, for all intents and purposes, seducing that boy in the kitchen when he's you know the first time they they come face to face. Yeah. I mean, there's there's even a, a scene in the documentary where Robert England had originally wanted to play the, the scene, putting one of the knives like in his mouth, and one of the the people on set was like, "You can't do that." It was like you're putting a dick in his mouth, and he yeah. and, and England was like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> like, yes, that's the point. That's yeah. what I'm doing." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I just I think it works because of the time and place that it was in. I, I think. Yeah, well, and, and and you're right. It is it is subtext. I mean, it's not the text. Um, uh, I I was trying while you were talking about that. I was thinking like, how would Ryan Murphy make this today? Well, for, well and, and the wrong person would, to do it, that with, though, I think the ending wouldn't make any sense, and it would just be a slapdash anyway. So yeah, so right. That. But it it would be it would be so in your face that I think that the like it would be the story instead of it being. Right. A part of the story 
Yeah. And um, in, in a lot and of then, ways. like Max Greenfield would play Jesse or Matt right. Bomer or one of those. Like. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I think this is more interesting because then right. it leads to the discussion about it instead of, because in my opinion, like story is not necessarily interesting to talk about, but context and subtext is. Right. And, 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 and that's where this movie really shines. Um, so um, anything else did you want to touch on? No, no, no. I was actually going to say, like, I mean, Steph, you know, as a gay man, um, how did you, <laughs> how did you feel about, you know, this particular story? Like, <laughs> I mean, Dave was telling me that the, you know, the whole thing about like the direct, like not the director, but the writer maybe writing it, and 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 the history with the actor that he really like his career like never went anywhere after this because it was yeah. so, you know, it was so like taboo for the time to like do something like this. I kind of wish it wasn't so ambiguous i would have perf- i would have liked it to be a little bit i would have liked them to lean into it i get that it's the 80s and like it wasn't this is what, 83 85 i think okay yeah so, so like AIDS crisis is in full swing yeah and and so i i get why for the for the for the for the time it was like very taboo or whatever but i think that like i would have liked to see a little bit more and i think that the like Part of what horror has done a lot in general is kind of address these topics like subtly and not so subtly. And I would have just liked like a hint of not so subtle. Like when he's dancing in his room, like that is the gayest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. That's very Britney Crossroads. That. Like it's very, you know, <laughs> every little girl's had that moment. <laughs> yeah. For Christ's sake, he pops the little cork thing at the end. I mean, like yeah. it is, and, and not just that. I mean, when we're talking about you know the character like the, the actor i think understanding the movie that we're making here and i don't yeah. kind of, I, and i don't want to jump the gun dave because i don't know if, if you've got like another section for, for this but the first time you introduced to jesse he not only is getting out of bed in his underwear he adjusts his, he adjusts himself himself yeah in his underwear he reaches it adjusts himself and there is nary a boob in this movie but there is lots of bare-chested boys in the background at PE class. There's bare ass there. You know what I mean? So leather it's daddies. Also, there's leather daddies. And, yeah. and thank you for that. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's again, it's that thing of like, this movie knows what it's doing, but it's not, it's overt when you look back on it. through. Yeah. Movie. In hindsight. Yeah. And it's, right? it's, it's, it's overt nobody, when, like, really paid attention that much. Right? And it's, it, it's overt when you look at it in, in big picture. Because, um, like, as a dude, one of the first things I do when I get out of bed is adjust myself. Yeah, yeah that's a really. You I know, mean, like, I don't have a penis, but I've seen a, people do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a very natural <laughs> thing to do, you know, because that's it what you do. Yeah, it it yeah. just moves around, you know, and yeah. you got to make yourself comfortable. So, um, so like, it it's not an un. Nor, like not normal thing every person who has a penis does this right that's not a gay thing but when you look at the fact that this is the how they're introducing the character is with him playing with a penis even if it's his own penis right it's it's putting in your mind the idea that okay well i think the cock's gonna kind of figure into the story somehow yeah we normally get like a boob shower scene in the first right. five or, minutes or, or at least really scantily clad you know right. some type of yeah yeah, and 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 nothing. Um, so I I I agree. I I think I think that because this movie is so subtle, it's. A, but the thing is that it's it's a collection of subtlety. It's it's so much subtlety 
that by the time the movie's over, it's like you were assaulted with um, with, with gay iconography the whole time because you, you were, in fact, assaulted by gay iconography the whole time. And that's to me, that's part of why this movie works, because you can watch this movie. And if you are even the the slightest bit not blind, you'll be able to see this movie for what it was written for. Um, and the, the way it was written, you know, for many years, he denied that it, there, there was any sort of, yeah. you know, a, a sexual identity stuff going on in this movie. He later did come out and say like, yeah, like we were worried about AIDS and, um, we were being told that like, it was something that you could get only if you were gay. And, um, so people were afraid. Straight guys were afraid, like, well, what happens, like, if I do have a gay encounter? You know, gay guys who weren't, like, out were worried. I mean, and, and you know, Ish, well, you can I, comment more on this. But, you know, it, like, that that was something that in the do you 80s, think I am? No, I <laughs> Well, listen, it's not in my day. <laughs> it was, like, six years old when this movie came out. I know. No, um, no, no, but I, I, know, I know what he means. I know what he means. You know, Ish, but, as our resident gay historian, right, you would know. <laughs> Uh, you know, but that's to to me that's um, that's what makes this movie interesting, uh, because quite frankly, the majority of these kills are not that interesting when you uh, compare them to any of the other movies. Um, they're not particularly inventive. There are some special effects that are, um, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, the, really the, only what three like. Three noticeable kills. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, more people than that die, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that sounded weird. But never um, ever have that taken out of context. Uh. But it's to t- to me really, it's about this story because the characters are are the characters, with the exception of uh, of Jesse and what he's going through. You know, moms and dads are moms and dads. You know, little sisters are little sisters. Uh, boyfriend, uh, you know, g- girlfriends who you know maybe you would like to trade in for the boyfriend are that you know and 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 that's to me what is really fascinating about this story um this is why i think i would recommend this movie yeah it it, it wouldn't necessarily be for anything else because i think a lot of the problems that west craven had with the script are the same things that kind of bring this movie down there are silly points in this like the, yeah. the bird that just you know, incinerates. You know, know it, it spontaneously funny. combusts. I, I I don't understand why. There, there are people in the birds who panic less than that family <laughs> did over a parakeet, a parakeet in their living room. One, one Link, parakeet. Link asked the same thing. He was like, "Yeah, he did." What is going on? And I'm like, "The bird's going crazy." He said, "The parakeet." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Why?" <laughs> and then he turned to me. He goes, "Why did it explode?" I, said, I don't know. <laughs> You can't you, you you can't explain it. This, and, he like and, walks in as like Freddie's like pulling the skin off of his head. And, oh. off, like that's the scene he's walking. He's yeah, walking. He's like, oh, cool. Can I watch? You know, we're like, <laughs> I like that kid. The other day and had no yeah. idea what was happening. So he's you know. <laughs> so you know, there's there there are things in this, and, and and as cool as I think the scene is, it doesn't do anything for. The plot. To, to, like, like to, to make Freddy scary, the pool party scene is is a scene that I think is memorable, and it's awesome to see him running around slashing people, like just mm-hmm. out in the open. But it doesn't really explain how he got there. 
it doesn't explain that was one of the scenes that was craven like specifically well, names yeah. in like having an issue with where he's mm-hmm. like but i think at that point he had he had overtaken jesse's body and so it was in essence it was jesse doing all of that right you know but then how does how does jesse continue to exist after that you know like there's there, there's all these questions about what exactly become possessed by Freddy or don't like you right. can't right you know so you you I don't. I don't know. And this is the thing: is that we 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 don't know. It might be a Jekyll and Hyde thing. And and honestly, I'm okay with it. I don't find anything in this movie to be so offensively bad or so offensively confusing um, that I'm like, well, no, I can't move past this. There's just points where I think, okay, well, you know, it kind of is what it is. You know, what my my favorite Frankenstein movie has uh, a rape scene in it that was inserted by the studio after the movie had been shot because they wanted to make it sexy. Oh, no. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, what the fuck is... And, and you watch Rape it... Rape is not and, sexy. Kid. No, it's, it's, it's not, right? Um, so, like, I have a hard time watching this movie, even though it is my favorite Frankenstein movie, because by all accounts, everything else in this movie, it's called Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Peter Cushing, 1970-something, right? Um, it's fantastic, aside from that, you know, but it's one moment in the movie, you know, so it's kind of like that where I think it's okay. I do like the pool party scene. There's enough in it that works, but also like it doesn't work. I think when you look at this movie as this is the story, this is a coming out story. Yeah. That's where this gets really interesting. And as we talk about coming out, you know, it's, it's, it, it's about Jesse, but there's so many other characters in here. Um, fascinating characters, characters that are not interesting in a section that we're going to call high school redo um which characters good or bad jumped out at you there's there's no limit you can talk about as many as you want um steph i'm going to throw it to you first i mean lisa is like the obvious one right mm-hmm. so like that's who we would that's who we would like think is like our final girl right and it's like to some extent she kind of is but you're right is where she kind of plays the role of both she's like sort of the hero but she's sort of also the final girl. And I think that that is kind of like, I don't know that they literally, that they maybe wrote her as well as they could have. I mean, obviously they didn't write this. as Because. <laughs> it's not Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like having her, I always, oh, as a girl, like always gravitate towards female characters. Anyway, they're the ones that I root for good or bad, like evil or, you know, altruistic or whatever. So, um, the fact that she's the one that's kind of like guiding him through all of this and kind of telling him about Freddie and like what, you know, the factory scene when they go back to the factory and she's kind of like giving him like the rundown of like why everybody, you know, who he was and like what he did to the kids or whatever. Like she, like if they kind of were like co-protagonists. Yeah. You know, so which you don't. Know, see like a whole ton in horror like it's usually like the main person that everybody kind of there's, like there's a bit of that in the first one with with nancy and glenn you know they kind of no but i still feel like it's nancy in the first she, one. she is she is like, yeah she definitely is yeah i i mean i get where glenn but for me glenn is like ducky okay you know yeah, like it's, I, it's, I, he I is see that. you know he's the psych like he's he's the best friend he is he's kristen ritter you know like he's that mm. person um, I don't feel this way about Lisa because I feel like she's a little bit more important to the overall story. He would have no idea what's going on without her. Right, right. exactly. As most men do. Uh, 
<laughs> even gay men. Even gay men. <laughs> even gay men. Um, I'm also going to throw a little uh, shout out to their coach who he finds him in like a gay club. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, you know, what is this kid like, you know, I mean, I don't know how old you're supposed to be when you go to your first gay fetish club, but, you know. Um, Emily Post <laughs> says uh, you should be. <laughs> I, I I will t- I want to talk about for like seventeen hours about that that leather club that is. I knew you were. First of all, it, it was a real gay club in LA at the time. Oh, was it? Okay. Was it? It, it? It was, and and. Man, Indiana it, looked. A, David said it. We were watching Indiana looked a lot like LA. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever they're supposed to be. But I love the fact that it was called Don's Bar, D O N as in Nancy's Bar, right? But if you're not really paying attention and you're looking at it, it's a leather bar. It says like it looks like it's Dom's bar, like it's the bar for all the Dom tops like or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, and so I was like, wait, what the fuck does that say? I'm like, did, like, did anybody even? Like that's know what not that was? subtext. That's just <laughs> that's just text, but it's not. But it's not what it was. And what I love about it is that it was a leather bar, but almost no one in there was wearing leather. Yeah, they were just weird. It, it looked like. It looked like if somebody had taken all of like the background characters in your typical episode of Gem and the Holograms and then just made them reality because they all just look like what some cartoonist notion of a punk rocker would be. And they were just like the weirdos at the club, whatever. Also, you, like, you, know, you know what it reminded me of was uh, the the bar where Large Marge drops off people. Oh my god, yes, yes. I, yes. And I could have sworn that like half of those extras were also in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, wait, 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 and that's the same year it came out. Like I, I have a feeling like they just walked down to Tim Burton's set was like, "Hey, could you spare an extra or two? <laughs> Maybe they just like they they didn't have a big budget and they were just like, hey, we need the bar for like an hour. <laughs> They're like, we'll pay you just like a hundred bucks. Just let us, you know, you, yeah. you've already got the lighting equipment in there. But then I'm also uh, kudos also to this bartender who doesn't even bother to ask Jesse his age. Not at because all. Oh, he and, doesn't. And, but wasn't the drink image lower? It was 18, but I mean, you didn't know that. I mean, to me, I mean, I, I think Mark Patton was in his 20s when he did the movie, but mm-hmm. he doesn't look old. It's not like, you no, know, no, he's like, it's not like Luke Perry on 90210, you know? But like, that, no. that that is something that sticks out at people because even Link, when he saw this, he was like, wait, how old do you have to be to drink? Like that registered for him. Like, is that, he asked, he goes, what is he drinking? Is that beer? Is he old he enough? Did, he did say that. And, and I was like, you got it. Raising a you responsible know. child. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. Or one but, that's very cognizant of alcohol. He's like, I, don't, I don't know. He, he's like he does like the, the little notches in his bedroom, like the jail. The years <laughs> like, he can have a drink. <laughs> if you move his bed, it's like a hole. It's just a hole. It's just like five more years. <laughs> but oh, you know, what I could not stand though in this movie. Okay, there was uh, two two people. Number one, I couldn't stand. Her best friend or her girlfriend, whatever her name was. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I have this up here. The wet hair. Like I was annoyed. She was not a good actress. Her hair bothered me. Like just Carrie was it? Sure. Yeah. Um, Sydney Walsh, I think, is the actress's name. It, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that, hair, that hair had to go. Um, <laughs> so she just annoyed me because she couldn't act and she had bad hair. But also, let's talk about all the parents in this movie. 
even by horror movie standards, which I know I, parents I are not. I say, like, why are we complaining about this? Horror movie parents are always fucking terrible. Okay, no. hang on a second, because the dad is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> okay, they are the worst. They are the worst, but this is p- part of why he's one of my favorite characters. But can we also chalk this up to, like, white people? Yeah, um, no, 100%. Okay. A lot of this is, like, fucking white people. Like, white nonsense, white people. Like Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's white nonsense. But this is white nonsense. A lot of, like, yeah. all, look, half the shit that happens in horror movies is, is, is white nonsense. Because, like, let's go investigate. Let's go down to the basement. What does that yeah. sound like? Call the fucking cops. Yeah, also, all we don't have basements. So, the, so, right. so, so we're not going anywhere underground, kids. No, yeah. thank you. Well, anyways, say what you were going to say about, about the parents. Yeah, no, no. So, like, I mean, look, her parent, Lisa's father, they're literally at a pool party, and the kid's, like, jumping on a trampoline. And he's like, hey, none of that. I'm like, you know what? You put the trampoline there, okay? Yeah. That decision was yours. You can pool and then not expect anybody to use it. Right, and invite a bunch of teenagers, and they're going to be like, no, no, not, not the trampoline. So <laughs> stop with that. Then his... Jesse's parents, I kind of want to watch them for a while when Jesse's not around. Because what the hell, like, what keeps them together? Because he's hung. He's, well, he must be. Because it's got to be something like that. It's not for the children. Because (laughs) I'm pretty sure they don't really care about the daughter. Like, she's, if he had slaughtered her in their bed, they would have never noticed. They just and don't believe in abortion. That's why she's around. They, that's why she's there. Yeah. But when <laughs> Jesse, I, the father with Jesse is so like pick a lane. Mm-hmm. When he gets picked up by Lisa, or Lisa comes by in the morning, he's like Lisa, who's Lisa? What Lisa? It's like okay, you've never met your friend's kids, like ever. But you know, but they're new. But they're new. They did just move into the into the, yeah. the house. So the, I'll give that. But he seems so concerned that there's. Like, like you know, the whore of Babylon just walked in and is about to take his son. Like, and then later on, it's like, is it drugs or whatever? Nobody's concerned when the cops bring him in that he's naked. Right. <laughs> That's bad. Nope. Nope. Yeah. And wet. Again, as Latin parents, the first thing would have been like, oh my God, pneumonia. Like that, yeah. you know, like you, you're going to catch pneumonia and die, right? Like you el know? sereno te mata. Obviate la lluvia, my he's God. He's lucky the sereno didn't kill him on the right. way to the to the cops. <laughs> you know? Well, but, yeah, these no, but if the sereno doesn't get him, the Hispanic parents will. Because, exactly, yeah. yeah. He would have been like, take me, Freddy, take me now. <laughs> like compared to having to deal with my parents, with, his mother, you know. with two Latin for, parents, for, yeah. for for the uh, for the listeners who are not in South Florida, it's <laughs> um, uh, sereno is the dew, the morning dew, uh, or the <laughs> evening, evening dew, dew. Uh, just the dew. It is the dew, dew. not the mountain dew, uh, but uh, you know the dew, um, the royal dew. Uh, <laughs> You've heard of Stephen King's The Mist. We're gonna write Jose Matiz the Sereno. <laughs> um, man, you know um, his dad. I okay, yeah. I love. Why do you love this guy so much? Okay, so he, he, here's the thing. He is a shit father, but he leans yeah. it. He leans into how shit of a dad he is, and to me, he plays it like satire. No, um, there's no way this is intentional. It, it is, and here's why. That actor is a really funny actor. 
All right, Clue Gulliger, who's the actor who plays him, has one you of the always name the most random people <laughs> in the most random things. And I'm like, this is a hundred percent. You just did it in when we were before we got on air. Like, I feel like you make sure like that is not a person's name. That's his name. His name is Clue Gulliger. G-L-U-G-U-L-A-G-R. I mean, I'm sure it is. I can probably look it up. But that's not a person's name. It's not a real person. That's name. that's his name. That's his name. And I'll tell you why I know him. And what the hell else have you ever seen him in? Okay, I, it's the same thing that everyone else who's into horror knows Clue Gulliger from. And it's Return of the Living Dead. All right. He is the he is the owner of um you need medical supply. You need a medical medical supply. Um, and that's where the zombie outbreak happens. And he is such a funny actor. Like he is, he eats up the scenery in that movie. Okay. That's why I know that what he's doing is satire. And to me, like I found him hysterical in this movie, you know, particularly that scene with the toaster. Oh, that's great. You know, like, Everyone else would be running out of the fucking house. Like, it's not plugged in. And he's like, huh, and would you believe it? It wasn't plugged in. You know? It's like, you fucking dumbass. Like, something has taken possession of your house. You know? But he's playing it off calm, cool, collected. Because, you know, the middle America, middle class father can't be bothered to do anything. It's very silent generation of him. It's exactly it, it, it's it's exactly what this is. Is like that, that dad that you see on TV, right? It's it's that to the extreme. It's that to the extreme. Yeah. This is a father who'd rather essentially believe his son is a sociopath who put cherry bombs up a parakeet's ass to make them explode. <laughs> Instead of trying to find another reason, like, never mind the fact that the parakeet cage was covered. So, how long of a fuse does a cherry bomb have right. before? And it he, blows he's the one who covered parakeet. it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, is it, I, um, I, I think he's he's so funny in this movie, and I think that he's he's a really underappreciated actor. Um, is I, so I, the two things you've seen him in, I'll take your word for it. Well, yeah. But you're giving um, me, me another another angle to look at his performance though given what, what you've just told me about you know with return of the living dead so I, i'm i'm gonna reassess and reevaluate what he's bringing to the table maybe he did understand the assignment thank you thank you uh he was apparently also in the initiation which is uh, another 80s uh slasher i have seen that one but i haven't seen it in a long long time uh, the only thing i remember about that one was daphne zaniga was in that oh yes okay i remember that one yeah, yeah, yeah. i i can't remember what what role he played in that one um, and it's been years. I can't remember the, the, the movie at all anyway. Um, but for, for me, you know, we, we touched upon the, the big ones, clue Gulliger's who I'm going to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do like Mark Patton as Jesse, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty great. Um, I think that he actually did bring something to this role. I think that he did play it as, um, as a coming out story. And I think that that's part of why this movie works in that uh, context. So, um, so kudos to to Patton. And um, you, got, you know what he did after, since he never really like his career never went out anywhere. What he became an interior designer. Oh, that's right. I knew this. Yeah, in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> huh? 
he's in Puerto Vallarta now. He owns like a little Oh, is he in Puerto Vallarta? Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, that, you know, if you can't be an, a gay actor, go be a gay interior designer. Like, I love that journey for you. I mean, it's a parallel path. Yeah, it's, it's a pipeline, some would say. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but, to, but to your point, David, though, like, yeah. I, I did want to touch on him because I think I actually saw this movie twice in the span of three days. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I actually genuinely enjoy watching this movie. Mm-hmm. There were there were two different scenes where he one of them was with Lisa and the other one was with Grady. Like once the whole Freddy thing is happening, where I noticed it's a scene where most actors, especially in quote unquote you know B movie horror things, mm-hmm. would have been tempted to just go up, like to escalate the scene and have have the hysteria build and build and build, and he went the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he went with like instead of like I'm scared, ah! he was like scared he kind of brought it down and i was like you know what that's more believable yeah you know he, he's he's as they say he's making a choice um but i think it's the right one because at no point yeah. does he like devolve into histrionics or you know over the top it, it, he, he almost plays it like somebody who really is losing their goddamn mind and that's what i was gonna say is there's one scene in particular with him where i think like He's selling me on this. And it's the scene after Grady dies. Yes. Um, yes. When when he walks into the house and Lisa sees him, right? And and Lisa does a really great job there too. Kim Myers is um is that actress's name. He comes in and he's covered in blood and he's kind of just muttering to himself. And you know, she first says what happened, and then like a light goes off in her mind and she says, You're hurt what's wrong with you right what happened to you and he's like you see the wheels are turning but there's no traction and the way that he's kind of like just like stuttering and moving his hands and stuff yeah he's this this is a guy who's like just experienced trauma and um he did that i think really really well um the only character that we didn't touch upon, and we always do this whenever we have a, a slasher movie, um, and we usually reserve this for, for for most killers, most of the big bads, is the right. villain here, right? So the Freddy Krueger, right? Uh, or is it, right? Um, so Freddy, we hindsight's 2020 we've seen all the you know uh, nightmare on elm street movies now we know everything about freddy at this time you only have the first movie and now the second movie to go off of so um how does freddy work for you as a villain in this movie steph i mean it's hard <laughs> it's hard because like I personally love Freddy as he's like one of my favorite slasher, like bad ever, like one of my favorite horror, like villains ever, like I would say. Um, And I kind of, and maybe this is just because like Wes Craven's not involved in this. So like maybe the, the often there's there's a certain level of like authenticity that's like missing from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this is not like a Robert England problem. This is like a, a a writing problem. This is I mean I just feel like it was a little bit 
I don't want to say like a caricature. I'm lacking a word for it though. I, it was like more over the top than it probably needed to be. And that happens a lot in like sequels because you're trying to outdo yourself. Mm-hmm. But like there were just, it just, it wasn't as, I don't feel like it's as genuine as it was in this one. And then in like the ones that follow it, just because this is just such, it like lifts right out of the series. So well, mm-hmm. so that's, I mean, the thing like the the tongue thing when they're like hooking up in the first movie. The first no. Yeah. Oh oh no I know yeah 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 got you in the pool house. In the pool house yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say cabana but it's not a cabana. That's yeah. Like, what like and then like the alien like hand thing and like like out of like the chest like those kind of things are like I I get that it's a sequel and we have to do things like bigger and better or whatever but like I just there's a there's like a level of I guess maybe not not satire, but I, I don't know what the, the word is escaping me right now. But there's a level of like authentic, I, like authenticity that's like missing. But I think right. it's it's what you were saying. We're like it's the sequel, so okay, I have to top myself. But I think also tying back to what Dave was saying earlier, because they don't know what Freddy is yet, mm-hmm. they, they they don't they don't have the, the the parameters right to work within. So they're just you know say, let's just go more, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, mm-hmm. but. They don't yet understand. I think the character. I think that may be like what you're. But I. But that's why I say it's not. I think it's a. It's a writing problem. Yeah. Because I think I, you're gonna. I mean, I don't think that Wes Craven didn't know who Freddie is, and I think that had he like actually been involved in it, like or you know yeah. that we would have a very different film, and we would yeah. have like because I mean you think like, not to make it about Scream, but think about Scream too, and think about the rules that Randy establishes. You know, and he like lays them, you know, so but like Scream, we're, we're, Scream 2 also had the benefit of Wes Craven coming back. Oh, a even more percent. important than that, it had the benefit of Kevin Williamson coming It back also has the benefit of coming after all of these movies that have done this a million times. So mm-hmm. like I get it. So like, yes, I, I'm just saying like if you think about the, the rules that this genre is building, like in this moment in the 80s, like this is where this is really like thriving and this is where we're really like it just it just seems like such a not an anomaly it just seems it just seems like so out of place and 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 i really it's it, in my opinion it's because like wes is like not involved in this okay ish i think that's fair i i will say i think this is the last freddy movie where he was actually scary yes i agree um after this, you know, and I love Freddie, like like Steph. I, I Freddie to me is like my I was Freddie for Halloween two years Maddie. ago. Yeah, but you were a sexy Freddie, weren't you? She was. I was yeah. also a pregnant Freddie, and nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> you barely knew. I barely knew. I had to. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, so I mean, so I, I love Freddie, but I, I I'm the first to admit that one of the reasons I love Freddie so much is because he has the quips and the one-liners, and you know, so he's not. A Michael Myers or a Jason, right? He actually has a personality. Yeah, and I think which is one of the best parts about him. That's what like, we love about him. Absolutely, absolutely. He's not just like even like to the to the like even someone. I keep I throw everything back to scream just because that's my favorite thing. But even like Ghostface changes. Ghostface doesn't have a personality. You think you know? You doesn't know. Freddie's like consistent, mm-hmm. and that's I love true. that about him. But right. he's he's consistent after part two, right? Because right. in right. part right. three is when he gains that. That witty, satirical, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, quip that that he he's always, you know, fast with. Um, he was really sinister before then. 
And I will well, say, Lester. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's not good people. Um, not, yeah, we're not talking the, about like you know, malt, like you know. But I, but I will say, in, in this movie, he also works better as a boogeyman than a slasher. Mm-hmm. I guess that's and, good. And I think it's because what this what this movie establishes to the benefit of the rest of the series, Freddy doesn't work in the real world. Mm-hmm. You can't bring Freddy into the real world. It doesn't work. It, you, you, he becomes limited. And the, you know, the beauty of Freddy as established in part one is the whole dreamscape that it, you know, anything can happen. You don't know what it, what it is. And I think that may be why some of the kills, like you were saying earlier, David, they're lame, just lame because yeah. he's in the real world. Yeah. And so it, it you know, that's why I say it. he works better. As- Wasn't this also like a problem in Jason versus Freddy? Um, well, he was weaker in the real world when he I was brought into right. the Jason real world. Freddy in like a thousand years. So yeah, yeah, he was weaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this case, he was just a guy with a knife. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he, 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 he was just under slasher. There was nothing interesting to him by bringing him into the real world. So that's why I say like mm-hmm. it works better for me when he's like lurking in the shadows and tempting Jesse because that's scary that's sinister that's you know it's more terror than horror yeah um it's a fine line but I know it's there somewhere um so I, I think Freddie you know the, part two had to crawl so that the rest of the series could run uh, as far as Freddie I I agree with that I think that um this is the last time um until Wes Craven's new nightmare that we got a, a, a sinister movie. Freddy. Um, you know, he, he he's always diabolical, but he was more of a, of a humorous guy. Um, you know, almost like Chucky, where you yeah. know I'm I'm gonna hit you with uh, with a joke as as I push you out this window, sort of thing. Um, but he is really sinister in this, and um, he is himself scary. Um, I, I think it's really easy to forget that Robert England can be scary beyond like the visage of Freddie with what he does with his voice, with yeah. the with the way that he can approach you slowly in the dark. Um, and this is the last time that you get that. Unfortunately, we don't get a lot of that here. My favorite scene in this movie is the transformation from Jesse to Freddy in Grady's bedroom. Oh, that's that that scene is incredible. And we're going to get to special effects and kills okay, in just good. a moment. But uh, but that that scene works because, n- number one, Jesse's doing a fantastic like Mark Patton's doing a fantastic job of showing us that he's afraid of what's about to happen. But also because the way that Freddy is about to enter the real world um it's you know, number one, he's coming out, right? But 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 number two, it's terrifying the way that it happens. And it's I think the only moment in this movie where you get spectacular special effects. And and that plays into it. Um, like you said, it, when he's in the real world, what he's gonna do is slash you. And I, and, and that's that's cool. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's fine, that's cool, but when that happens, the killer is typically this like giant, hulking, unstoppable monster. You know, Robert England isn't much taller than I am. No. You know, and 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 I'm a short dude. So and and again, this is one of the issues that Wes Craven had with the movie. He yeah. told them like, 
why do I want to see? He you? says it seems silly. Like he looks, yeah. like he looks like a t like he, he's that one of the things about like the pool scene specifically that he mentions is like he looks like one of the other kids, like just mm -hmm. running around with them, and he's not intimidating. Yeah, he he doesn't have the stature of someone no. to intimidate you, and um, that's that's part of why that you know the first time you see Freddy in Tina's dream in the first movie right when his arms go stretching out and he's you know clawing at at the at, at the fences and and at the trash cans like that is terrifying you know the way that that you know he you know, tina like that that's awesome that's fantastic i don't think we get enough of that here but it is the last time that we get sinister stalking freddy and 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 to me there's there's also more of the child molester that we never really get confirmation of until the reboot until the remake in this movie because craven's original idea was to have him be a child molester to him that was the scariest thing that a person could be That's but it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't get past the censors uh new line really? told him like yeah there's there's no way this is going to get approved we're not going to get distribution where the killer is a child molester so he made him a child murderer Oh. And and that they said okay well that that that's that's a good compromise. I mean, think about no it. Nobody, no trauma. I mean, I no, I get it. I get that, it. And that, that's it. You know, is that like um, it? It is something that you hear about much more often in the news, and it's more sad than upsetting when it happens. I but I I I mean I know that it was never really like. I just always kind of felt that way. Like anyway, yeah. like I like the, it was. Again, subtext, right? Like this whole movie is about sub. But it like, is. yeah. Even from before the reboot, when I saw this, when I was like fourteen or however old it was, like he, I kind of knew that. I feel like that, you know. I it was yeah. implied, inferred, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As as a kid, like I remember being, you know, six, seven years old, going to Blockbuster and seeing the posters of, you know, whatever the newest Nightmare on Elm Street was at that time. I knew that Freddie was someone who killed kids, but in my mind he was the guy that I don't want to approach his van. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you always got that from him. And I think Robert Englund played him that way. And I think that the, actually the time that he is best played as the, uh, the, the, the child molester is in this movie because the movie is a, the, the constant, the perpetual molestation of Jesse. And um, you, you, you can, you can look at it that way. You can also look at it as, you know, Freddie represents his sexuality as the coming yeah. out, you know, there's, and, and that's the beauty of symbolism is that you can look at it in, in, in you know, a myriad ways. And, and it's, it's always going to be right because if you're picking it up, it's probably because it might be there. So, so I, I, I do think that there's a lot to Freddie here. Unfortunately, there's not enough of Dream Freddie, which is like right. the best stuff. And that leads us, I think, to... Our, our last section before we rate the movie, which I'm calling Flashy Slashy, uh, <laughs> the special effects, which is the flash and uh, the, the, you know, the slash, the slashy. So uh, we talked a little bit about this, but I want to get a little bit more into this. The special effects, the kills. Um, how did they work in this one? Ish, I don't think I've thrown it to you uh, well, first in a little while. So the special effects, I think they hold up and I think mm -hmm. it's something that, that, that y'all have talked about a lot on this on the show which is practical effects, practical effects yeah. will always hold up better than CGI 
even if you're looking at this movie through the lens of 2023, you may look at it and be like, oh, that looks a little cheesier. That looks a little X, Y, Z. But it doesn't look dated in the same mm-hmm. way that the the was it the Quidditch scene in Harry Potter does, right? Like, yeah. it's, oh, it's so bad. I, I talk about that mm-hmm. all the time. That is like always my my standard for like yeah. the worst CGI. That and then the one that I always say still holds up is that first Transformers movie. Yeah. That yeah. first Transformers movie, like I remember seeing that. We saw it at a midnight showing in Disney and I was like, those fucking robots are real. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that that was that was the game changer, I think. That wow. was 2007. It, it, you know, uh, that's the movie that um, uh, John Favreau says showed him it was like proof of concept like i can make iron man right mm-hmm. right but i mean you know the practical effects I, I will always have a soft spot for practical effects because yeah. i think that there's especially in a horror movie the visceral feeling that you get especially you know going back to the, the scene you were talking about where you know in grady's room where he's turning into freddie mm-hmm. you're not going to get that same emotion that same feeling that same look cgi no you're just not the fact that they literally had to make a mold of this this boy's face with his mouth open so that then Robert England could just stand behind it and put his yeah. eyeball in it so that they could get that shot, which that shot is – I don't use this word liberally because I'm over the age of 22. That shot is iconic. Yeah. Um, and it's so simple, simple, quote-unquote, right? Like there's yeah. no there's no bells and whistles to it. And to me, that shows that these are filmmakers who showed up with a point of view and who knew what they had to get done. Probably on a limited budget. Aren't practical effects cheaper? Yes and no, because you a lot of times only get one or two shots at uh, a bite at the apple. Oh, yes, that's true. You know, so, so it, it it depends on the effect and how many times you have to do it. Um, because you, I mean, it, it doesn't cost you anything except man hours to no. revise a, a digital effect. But you know, s- some effects it. Like, for example, blowing up the hospital in yeah, uh, in, in the dark night. You get one take at that. Yeah, you, one shot. you know, so, so some of these effects like literally cost millions of dollars yeah. to do. Now, an effect like that is not going to cost a million dollars. But if you fuck up the, the face mold, the effect's blown. You get you got to yeah. do it again. Right. So yeah. usually, but not always. And then, you know, we also touched on this, uh, not, a, not enough slash, uh, mm-hmm. not enough. And then, you know, really, you got to go and kill the hot guy and the leather daddy. I mean, really, <laughs> these are the only two big kills we get, uh, you know. Yeah. And, Especially and, just like coming off the heels of like the blood bedroom in the first movie, you know, right. like we're coming off of something like that, which that's like probably one of the most iconic horror scenes ever. I'm, yep. I'm willing to say like, you're coming off of that. And then you're going to give us like these lame ass, like locker room kills. Yeah. I mean, who amongst us doesn't want to be, you know, tied up to the shower in a locker room. Fair enough, but maybe spanked. not <laughs> spanked, but we're yeah. going to, we're going to, we're going to end it there. I don't want the, the claw marks afterwards. Right. That's, you know, I little um, claw mark never hurt anybody. Attacked that, by balls. That's uh, we'll talk later, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then you know, the pool party scene. I'm pretty sure roughly about 20 children died in that scene, mm-hmm. but they died almost off camera. You know, it was, it was right, almost you don't like see it. he would throw them and then they'd fall, and all of a sudden you saw fire. You're like, oh, well, I, I guess he's dead, 
Right. Um, but why are they spontaneous? Like, why are we combusting? Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, that that was never explained. That it's Freddy not like the brought, thing. Like his powers or dream powers. You know, the only thing I can think of is that um, with Freddy actually dying in the first movie, uh, his soul was in hell and was bringing with him hellfire. That's the only thing that I could try to... Uh, but, you know, like, if you have to think about it that hard, and if you have to go you're right, that you're right, far right. to, like, sit there and be like, oh, why would this make sense? It's shitty. Like, it's shitty well, writing. I, it's a shitty effect. It is. It's, you're, like... You're right. Yeah. <laughs> because there's nothing in the movie to suggest there's that. There's zero, zero to suggest anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and, 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 and on that note, why did the the showers all of a sudden have blood in them? You know, he mm-hmm. he didn't hook him up to the plumbing. No, uh, right. Although we'll talk about subtext. Um, <laughs> you know, but, that is probably like, oh, we had a blood bedroom scene in the first one. Like, what are we gonna do to outdo that? Like, here we go, right. shower, blood shower. Right. And and the thing is, like, we Which know could work if you just like ex- like flesh it out. Like, it could work if I you give me a reason. Like, listen, I'm willing to play by the rules that you're going to establish, but then don't. And that's look. an easy one because you just have to like, right. literally exactly. impale him on a pipe. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is that they they establish later in the movie that each of these kills is happening in the real world. Right. right. There's no like dream mechanic here. Right, but so then who's dying and who's like blood are we funneling into the shower? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're um, not dreaming this either. Like that's a pro- you know whatever. So 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 Steph, <laughs> um, <laughs> was was there any special effect or any kill that worked for you? I mean, I, I'm particular to like the ripping off the skin. Like that's, that's a really great cool one. practical yeah. effect. Mm-hmm. Um, like brain, just you know, he's falling apart anyway. So and, and and the brain pulses. It's a really good. Yeah, that, you know, I noticed that. I was like, mm. it was it was like really subtle, and it's at the end. It's like they, right before they cut, but mm. you see it like pulse, and I was like, that's like a really, that's a detail that like not many people maybe would think about. Yeah. So I I, I did notice that, and I did I did enjoy it. But that was that was one that, that's like the one that sticks out to me. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. But really, everything else is like mid. As the kids say. Um, <laughs> Is that what the kids are saying now? Yeah, it's mid. Yeah. Mid. Um, and as far as um, as kills, any kill that um, I mean, you liked? What can you say that hasn't already been said? Like, I mean, the ish is like there's two major kills. There's your leather daddy kill and the 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 big the, the gay love interest. I mean, like, uh, okay, yeah. Here we go on like the 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 on what. We heard in a horror class 20 years ago, horror being like the most conservative of the genres. Mm-hmm. Like the two people that we're killing are two people that are like two of oh, they're, they're coded, yeah, yeah, they're coded, they're coded. Yeah. So, um, so I, I there's like no, there's I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but there's like no black people in this movie that I remember. Um, no, I, I, I don't think there are. Um, you know, that, that's maybe, like maybe like, background character, but that's like, like but what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, that's a huge, like, you know, stereotype that like those characters will go first or whatever. So, right, right. Um, so who are we taking after that? Because we don't have any, right? <laughs> they needed a DEI consultant in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I, I will say I do think that the special effects in this movie are great, even if they are limited. Um, the special effects artist here, Kevin Yeager, um, would go on to uh, to direct a, a um, I think it was Hellraiser three or Hellraiser four. I can't remember right now, uh, but he is no stranger to special effects. He's done a lot of of special effects work. Uh, Child's Play um oh. is is another one that he he uh he did some special effects for so you know th this is a guy where you know it, it's a name that pops up often enough for you to know um he's not tom savini certainly you know but um or like a like a carlo rombaldi but you know he's he, he's up there as far as special effects artists and and that's why i think like that brain effect really works that's why i think that the my my favorite effect i said it was my favorite scene coming out of uh of jesse works so well like that is a great great effect and like we we saw it on on a big screen high definition television oh. and and it was great it held up really really well i i find myself because I've read a lot about like how the director is saying that he like that I can't remember his name right now, but saying that he was like had no idea that this was meant as like a gay story or whatever. Right. I mean, you literally had somebody come out of somebody like my brother in Christ. <laughs> like read the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Um, and the thing is, like, if you actually like watch him in these interviews, he does seem yeah innocent. Like, like he he seems like like the kind of guy who just would not have picked up on any of this stuff. Like, it just like he like he grew up in in, in uh on an Amish you know farm somewhere <laughs> and had never met a gay person ever. I mean, yeah, he I seems he, he seems like you know innocent in that way. Like yeah. he was just here to do the job and. And this is what he did. And I didn't want to say ignorant. You know, I didn't want to say ignorant because I, 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 I ignorance. Ignorant uh, has a bad implication. Right. It, it has, it has a bad connotation, you know, right. and, and uh, even if it's, you know, not, not intentional. Um, but yeah, innocence, I think is the right way to, to describe him. Uh, shoulder. Was it uh Robin shoulder? Okay. Um, yeah, so if, for me, that's that's the uh, that's really where it's at when it comes to special effects in this movie. And as far as kills, uh, Coach Snyder, I, I I love everything that sets up that kill. Uh, being attacked by balls, um, the uh, you know being tied up in in the shower, being spanked. Um, it it all to me is exactly what this movie's about, which is the. Uh, it's it, it, it's how gay it is like you know it it is really fucking gay and and that's and that's why this movie works for me and and i think that that's that's the one kill where it's like nah this is this is really gay and uh and and they should have put more of the the gayness into <laughs> into it uh it's uh always put more gay Thanks yeah always always um, so, uh, unless anyone has anything they want to add, we're going to no. get into rating the movie. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, we're coming in right on time here. I am, I am so happy when Danny and I aren't bullshitting with each other. Apparently we can just like get done on time. I fucking love this. Um, so, um, as is customary, um, we never rate any movie against 
another movie. We're only rating them against themselves because movies should be viewed as, uh, you know, uh, for what they are, not for what they aren't. And uh, despite the fact that we have said numerous times that uh, we think that A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, is the superior movie, this movie is this movie it's not the original it's not part three um it's certainly not the remake um you know so we also give the opportunity to our guest hosts to throw out the metric that we're going to use to rate because every movie is rated against itself so we don't use stars right so um steph do you have i don't ish can do it i know he has a good okay ish uh do you have a metric well i mean how do we not use exploding parakeets? <sighs> that is it. It I is, it is exploding. Leather, I was going to say leather daddies. So, you know. Um, <laughs> no, because then we there, start talking about a, a lot of leather daddies and I can't, you know. Exploding. Why were we? Yeah. Then it becomes an adult documentary. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, so, Stephanie, out of a possible five, exploding parakeets how many exploding parakeets do you give a nightmare on Elm street too i mean i'm gonna go two and a half okay because it it was trying to say something it was even if this guy wants to deny deny or whatever all he wants there is it is progressive it is mm -hmm. it does have something to say it is implying something in a time where it was really difficult to do something, but the writing is just so bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's bad. So I can't like forgive that. Um, so I'm going to go two and a half exploding parakeets, but the I bottom half. <laughs> okay. Good. The cherry bomb would have gone in. That's the, the half. Right. Uh, up its rectum. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so, the, so, 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 so the ass half. We want the bottom half. <laughs> That'll teach him to shit on your car. <laughs> uh, Ish, how many exploding parakeets do you give a Nightmare on Elm Street to? It's uh, it's out of five, right? Out of five. Okay, yeah. Now, so unless we do have the option here, we don't take it often. We don't use it lightly. But you can give it what Daniel refers to as the gold star and give it six out of five. Well, no, no. I'm not, but I'm this not is very to... rare. That no, I'm not, this one does not, not deserve that. No, 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 and, I, and I'm not looking to blow up an aviary. So we're, uh, <laughs> we're that one. I'm I'm currently between a three and a half and a four. Okay, and I know that may seem like ridiculously high. Very generous, staff, but <laughs> I'm actually I, I'm, I okay. As I've said many times on this show. Starting with Sleepaway Camp, I love me a bad movie. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm always gonna be. You like movies to, that are bad, good. Yeah, that, that most people are just like, oh, that that movie's bad to the point where if a movie, I actually think a movie is bad. What I will say is that movie is not good. Like I won't ah, even say it's okay. bad. Yeah, I will yeah. say it is not good. Um, so you know, I'm between three and a half and four because I think the writing, yeah, the writing's crap. But I think everything else in this movie is is trying to to do something. Right, I agree. And, mm -hmm. and elevate it. And I think that, you know, almost within the mission statement of what we're doing with this rating, which is rating it, you know, as itself. Right. If this wasn't a Freddy movie, right? If this was, which I, it is, so I, I know I'm being, I'm playing Yeah, it, it is even in the title, Freddy's Revenge. Right. But if this wasn't <laughs> part of the whole series, right, like as a standalone movie, there wouldn't be the baggage, there wouldn't be any of the other stuff. So I, 
you know, looking at it just through that lens, that's why I'm inclined to be a little bit three and a half, four, because it could, I think, stand on its own. I think a lot of the reasons that, that it, it gets looked at negatively is just because it is in the context of this bigger series, aside from all the issues and the problems that we've discussed, right? So with that said, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a four. And I'm going to okay. go with a four only because I was actually almost going to go three and a half, but I'm going to go four because I feel like this movie is deservedly getting more credit of late than it has. That's true. And and I think it's, you know, like y'all, like we were saying earlier, many people skip over it. Many people are like, mm-hmm. part one, part three. And I think it, it, it does deserve that second look. You know, it, it deserves to be appreciated a little bit more than, than it traditionally is by the world at large. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it a four. Um, I, I think I'm falling in Ish's camp here, um, where I think that there there is a lot wrong with this movie, but there's more right than there is wrong. My inclination is to give it three exploding parakeets. The problem with that is that that's what I want to do, but there is an additional exploding parakeet that needs to be like paid attention to, and that's the one that actually explodes in the movie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna include that exploding parakeet into my score, and it's going to be four exploding parakeets. Uh, because like, how can you ignore that exploding parakeet? And 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 like, I mean, because I'm it's being rated to... ag- if, if it's being rated against itself, it's like, well, fuck it. There is an exploding parakeet. Like that's how amazing and awful <laughs> this movie is <laughs> that fuck there's an exploding parakeet so you, you you have to you have to calculate it into the score so here's the here's the thing when right, you have to acknowledge the exploding parakeet in the room um when we calculate this right uh two and a half four four all right it comes out to three and a half exploding parakeets and i think that that is where this movie should be yeah is is right there i can certainly live with that yes. so um on uh, on behalf of everyone here at shiver i want to thank you steph i want to thank you ish thank you for being here with me tonight um i really needed this tonight um i i had a root canal done earlier today are you serious and yeah yeah and like two weeks I ago I, I had, I I had a, we wanted to cancel he said no yeah you, yeah i, I was I was really looking forward to it, uh, you know, but my my afternoon was not great. So, so I am I am so glad that we did this, and I had a couple of laughs, and um, we got gay, and I fucking love that. It's true. That that it's was fantastic. Um, so so thank you so much. Um, please make sure that you um, you follow Ish, you follow Stephanie. There. Um, their, their Instagram and, and Twitter handles are up here now. Uh, Stephanie, is there anything that you want to promote? No, I'm just here. I'm just you're, here for a good time. You're just here for a good time. Listen, I'll promote I'll promote for Stephanie. If you're looking oh, for something Lord. to host a hell of an event, like hit hit her up. Stephanie F I- you. I mean, <laughs> you will not be disappointed in the slightest. Uh, yes, Stephanie is uh, not just because she's my wife, uh, but she is a- an incredible event planner. Okay. Um, so you you can follow her on Instagram. I'm, well, I'm super happy to throw Halloween parties there right around the corner. 
And who better to throw a Halloween party than a gay man? So she <laughs> will do a good job. <laughs> she will. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, um, uh, Ish, what would you like to promote? Uh, yeah, the usual, but let me tell you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're, we're midway through season six right now. Um, you know, take a listen if you haven't. I have uh, to say not this last week's episode, but the one before Darian hated everything. <laughs> I know that he's like, I sometimes can be a little bit of a hater, but he was like on a different level that day. <laughs> well, you know, but then this week I, I, came back and I, I feel like I upped it by just hating Beyonce. And now I'm oh. more for- I, You know now, I always support now, you in your hate of Beyonce. So I feel like now there's, there. there's like a fatwa on me uh, from the Maybe that's so, how this podcast gets like the no, some notoriety for like hating Beyonce. Tag Beyonce, tag it, like hashtag it when you post. Hashtag Beyonce. And the Bayhive Bay will come after you. Exactly, yeah. but they'll still listen. And that's all that matters. That's all I care. I I just want the downloads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, And thank you both. This is the first time I've ever done the show with with both of you. Obviously, I miss miss you, Daniel. Um, Yeah. You know, it would have been great to do this with you as well. But I love the fact that this is is always going to be true. This is always going to be true. But I love, you know, just hanging out here with with, with two really good friends of mine. And it was a treat and a blast to do it with this one. Uh, I am I'm so I'm so glad uh, because I, I I love having you on. Um, I haven't podcasted a lot with Stephanie, but um, she is uh, she's incredibly smart and uh, and and witty and funny. So uh, I I would love to to, to have her on more often. Uh, unfortunately, because you know we're in the same house and we have kids, it's very rare for something like hard this to happen. Yeah, so I normally um, have like a 15 month old, like permanently attached to my body. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he could uh, he could take a, a page out of uh, the last episode where um, where we did Dead Alive, where uh, mom trauma was uh, was was part of of that movie. Uh, so thank you both so so much. Uh, for those of you who have um, maybe wondered, no one has. Um, this episode is technically 99.5 because this should have been episode 100. Oh, but we're okay. planning something special for well, episode 100. You, yeah, and we can't, can't do that. Time. We can't do that without Daniel. Right. So very, I'm very hopeful that the next episode is not going to be 99.5.5. I, <laughs> um, uh, that the next episode will be episode 100 and we have something special planned. So uh, hopefully we can, we, we can get, uh, you know, ish and, um, and, and Andrew and, uh, and, and a bunch of the guys that, that have been on here with us, Ralph uh, and, and, and do something really interesting. Um, uh, our, our friend hunger who has been on uh, a couple of times is, is, is planning something with Daniel. So hopefully this, th- this is going to be uh uh, a big deal for us, not for anyone else, but for us, it'll be nice. Uh, yeah, so 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 that's fantastic. Um, so once again, thank you on behalf of all of us here on Shipper. Fright you very much. All right.